0: or simply someone that wants to hear an inspiring story, the Know Your Why podcast is made for you. Hi, everyone. I'm Jason Ballara, and this is the Know Your Why podcast. Today, I'm here with Bill Ham. Bill has been a multifamily owner-operator for 17 years. Uh, he has two Amazon best-selling books on that subject. Uh, and Bill, a lot of your bio talks about where you start, but but I want to I want to hear it from you. And and so, first of all, thanks for coming on the show. I really appreciate you taking the time. Um, I'm excited to hear your story.
1: Yeah, appreciate it. Thanks for having having me on. Um, Yeah. So as you said, I'm I'm a multifamily uh, owner-operator, been in the business uh, since 2005, so right at 17 years now, and um, started off life as a a pilot. Uh, Went went to school, came out, started aviation, thought that's what I wanted to do with the rest of my life. Uh, Fly for Delta was going to be my dream job. And uh, I, I realized that um, maybe I wasn't such a good employee. That was sort of one of my first aha moments was that I didn't like having, a, I didn't like being told what to do. I loved flying airplanes. I loved aviation. I just didn't like being told when and where to do it. You know, minor detail when you have a job, right? But. <laughs> Uh yeah, you know. So uh I I saw I, I spent about a year um studying real estate, just reading books and the normal stuff people read. And I saw friends of mine that were flipping houses, and they were making, you know, in a flip or two, as much as I was making, working all year long. And I thought something's wrong with this picture here. You know, I thought these are friends of mine, they're a bunch of idiots. They're, you know, we were all hanging out at the same place last night. There's nothing special about these people. What are they doing that's so much different than than what I'm doing? And that was kind of one of my first, you know, light bulb moments. And that's when I started looking more into to being an entrepreneur, what these people were doing. And I just started reading, you know, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, all the stuff we all start off reading and um, just took it from there. First deal is a duplex. And uh, I had saved up about 10 grand. Duplexes cash in about three hundred bucks if, if all went well and uh, I quit the aviation career on on ten grand and three hundred dollars. Not that I recommend that you do that, mind you. Uh, I was twenty eight years old, you know, no debt, no no kids, no family, you know. So let me be clear, it was a very easy decision for me to make, um, you know. And I thought, well, what's the worst case? I have to come back and get another job someday. Fine you know, it was the time I was young, I wanted to to see what would happen. And uh, and so I took a risk and, and went into real estate full time. And, and for better or for worse, I'm still here. Yeah, that's, uh, that's
0: impressive to sort of, I guess, you know, people say burn the boats or whatever, right, right, <laughs> that early. Um, but, but also, you know, I'm sure in hindsight, and we'll talk about it, was it was a good decision, obviously, it was ultimately, yeah. Yeah. So I guess the first thing I want to ask you about, you know, sort of, Timing-wise, so if you started in 2005, you obviously kind of got started just a little bit before the crash. Maybe take us through the sort of early years of your real estate career and then the crash and and, and kind of, I'm always interested in, you know, how that we we all hear about, you know, and I I went through the crash too. I I happened to not own any real estate (laughs) right at the time it happened, which worked out well. Just. Pure luck, but um, just kind of take us through that time and and what, you know, what, where you were at when it hit, how how that impacted you and everything.
1: Yeah. I, I, yeah, I had just started in real estate. So by about 08, I was uh, just starting to kind of move into looking at multifamily. I had really started off in single family houses, you know, small duplexes, things like that. And, um, you know, 08 hit and the foreclosure started. And I, I had owned some real estate, but not much actually, it was it was an amazing time for me, and, and I don't mean that enough, you know, in a way that I was profiting off everybody's failure, although that's exactly what I was doing. Everyone was going into foreclosure. And I didn't own that much real estate at the time. So it was a real boon for me. I'm I'm buying these foreclosures, pennies and dollar, you know, getting, getting assets going. And, and i I'm, I'm thinking, man, I'm a genius. Well, what I didn't realize was that my recession was coming as well. It was just going to be about two, three years later than everyone else's. So I'm buying all this real estate and I'm picking up all these foreclosures, and that's great. And, and I thought the market would recover quickly and, and it didn't. And so, um, you know, I got into some short-term mortgages, like three-year mortgages. And I teach I teach real estate now and I teach, uh, I teach all of this in my classes and how to avoid this sort of stuff. But I, I got short-term loans and the loans, you know, short story, the loans came due, the market hadn't recovered, the bank didn't want to continue the financing. And I wound up in basically the same situation as most other people did in 08. It was just about 2012 for me when it hit. So I kind of went through the same cycle. Um, You know, long story, I survived it. I'm still here. And so, you know, real techniques and real skills are only passed on by those who survive, right? So I kind of back up my education with the fact that I've been through it. Not only did I survive, I succeeded. You know, I went through the recession. I went through all those things. And most people, and this is not taking anything away from anybody, but most people in the business today didn't go through that. Recession, owning real estate, owning business, or or being an owner of a business on their own, you know. And so, I would say most people, economically speaking, are untested. Uh, I think that's about to change soon as well. But uh, you know, I just always hate it when I see people get overconfident because the market has has made them successful. It's just a very big mistake you want to avoid in in business. Don't don't get proud of yourself until you've been through one full up cycle and then one full down and then back up again and then you're still here. Okay, fine. Until then, just just be humble. Be careful. Yeah.
0: No, I I think that makes total sense. And it's and I'm I'm you know certainly comparatively new to syndication game, and so I have uh I I guess sort of getting in when when you know we're at what seems like the top of a market cycle, which definitely at times gives pause, but the, the, your point about, you know, sort of going through that, and, you know, there's a lot of people that maybe started five years ago, six years ago, something like that. And it would, it really would have been hard to not make money in real estate right. over the last five or six years. I mean, it's, re- I, and I feel like if you're, if you don't realize that, then it's, then you are probably set up for, for a big yeah. problem. So it, <laughs> a really great point, And, you know. Having been through those cycles um, obviously gives you the, you know, the clout to <laughs> to speak on that. But it, it's it's true. It's you know, you can't get cocky about, you know, something that you just kind of rode a wave. Uh, and, and it's not because you're an amazing operator or something like that. And
1: you may be. And that's what I'm, right. I'm not trying to, to, to say to take anything away from it. You. you may be a genius. You may be a great operator. But the problem is you may not know. You don't know what you'll do. You don't know how you'll respond until it actually occurs, you know, no matter what you think you don't know. And so that's just something you need to to know and, and not get too arrogant and, and you'll probably find you know, the one thing I've come to realize the grand point after all those years of starting off and all that is really technically everything we're discussing right now is it doesn't matter. The markets go up, the markets go down, the markets go left and right, so what? The only thing that really matters is the only real estate deal you ever have to worry about closing. That's the six inches between your ears. You close that deal, nothing else really matters. You know, and markets come, markets go, they're up and down, whatever. It's The survival and the the ability to, to succeed really is a mental game more than anything. You know, it's the ability to tolerate failure and to continue on. If you can do that, then the market can never really stop you. You know, and that's I right. say, so ultimately, all the things we teach and all the things we talk about, market sites and all this kind of stuff, technically irrelevant if you're meant to be a business. If you've got the right mindset and you've got the heart for it, those are the things we'll, we'll just be, you know, stories you'll talk about one day on a podcast. You know? yeah. I mean, it's like, oh, hey, yeah, way back then, you know, whatever. We're, we're yeah. here. I'm here. Everybody's fine. But I know a lot of people that aren't here and it didn't have anything to do with the market. It had to do with mindset.
0: Yeah. No, I I love that. I mean, we we talk a lot about mindset on this show and it's, it's uh, I, you know, for me, that's been the biggest thing. That's been been the biggest thing about getting into real estate. That's been the biggest shift for me is kind of just looking at all of this from a different perspective. And as you said, the, the, the mindset to keep going when things get hard, even because, because even in the, hot markets, you're still going to have hard moments and things like that. Like if there's, there's hard days, things don't go your way, whatever it is, you know, in these hot markets as a buyer, that's, that's hard to do, right? right. Like that it's hard to find the deals that can, you know, sort of make sense and you get caught up and I want to do deals and, you know, in the down markets, then being an owner operators is, is when you probably tested. And so it's kind of, there's always challenges. And, and so, yeah, your, your point on mindset is is great. Um, I think it's, it's huge. It's everything about, you know,
1: I, I always tell all my students, uh, wait, not for us to say, yeah, you know, it's, it's the, none of that stuff really matters. If you, you get in there. Oh, I know. What say. So, you know, what, what you have to understand is the difference between investor and entrepreneur. And that's something I think a lot of people don't really stop and think enough about in, in the, I almost hate the term real estate investor, because I would say 90 percent of the world are not investors. You know, really, an investor is someone who puts money into a deal looking to get a return on it. That doesn't describe the majority of the people that are out here, syndicators, myself, all this. We're looking to use other people's money in, in you know, maybe some of our own to build our business. Well, that makes you an entrepreneur, not an investor as soon as you start even thinking investor, your mindset is off in the wrong direction. It's a, it's a minute correction, but it's huge when exponentiated over time. You're not an investor. If you're an investor and you think like one, you're going to be looking for immediate returns. You're going to be looking for uh, you know instant reward. You're going to be looking to get gratification. You know, none of those things come into being an entrepreneur. And so what you have to understand is that real estate is just a product. You're, you're a real estate Entrepreneur, You're going to own a real estate business and you need to treat it like a business, run it like a business and understand these deals are just products. Therefore, you're always going to be working on your business. This sort of mindset of, you know, I want to get into real estate because I don't want it to be a job. I want it to be passive. I want to sit at home and collect rent checks. That's that's guru nonsense. It's just, it's just not really how the real business works. Real business is a business. And if you're an entrepreneur and you have the mindset of going in and, and creating a real company, you'll be fine. If you think you're going to buy a few deals and sit at home and, and live on passive income, you're probably in for a rude awakening. So you got to really kind of separate the concept between entrepreneur and investor and make sure you're thinking correctly.
0: Yeah. Oh, that, no, that's a fantastic point. I think, I guess in the, in terms of structuring a syndication, you could say that the, the investors are the LPs, the limited partners and the, the entrepreneurs, the business owners are the general partners on that side. So it's, I, right. if if you, if you want to be invested in real estate and make a return, but you'd want, you want it to be completely passive, that option's there for you, right? Yeah, that's, right there's there's, there's a, lots of people that are doing that. That's how, yeah, right, that's, right. right. That's how these see, things have a syndicator. House. That's passive.
1: Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Now, if you don't have a check to send in, OK, hold on. You're not an investor. So if you're using the real estate vehicle to create wealth that didn't exist before, yeah. that's investor. If you're looking to take money and grow money, fine. That's I mean, that's yeah. not for, the further than fine. find. You're an investor. Right. If you're going to write somebody a check in and, and passive LP investor, if that's not describing you and you're here to make money where it doesn't exist, you must think and treat yourself like an entrepreneur you know, yeah. or you're not going to make it.
0: Yeah. And and you're right. That side of it is, it's not no work. It's yeah. it's yeah. Not it's we're, it's, the, it's,
1: you know, we're the business owner. Our LPs are our customers. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's a great point. That's a great point. Um. Well, let's let's talk about. You want to talk about your books a little bit and just kind of tell us uh, tell us about them and you know kind of what what people can get from um, yeah. each of them.
1: Yeah. So I've I've written two books. Uh, the first one that I wrote was Creative Cash. Uh, both are on Amazon, by the way. Creative Cash and Real Estate Raw are the books. Um, creative Cash is a book about using creative financing to fund deals, largely speaking, master lease options and seller financing. Um, I did my first 402-unit portfolio back starting in 05 through you know 2011-ish or so. I did all of the first 402 units that I uh, purchased with only creative financing. So no traditional debt. Now, I used banks to refinance property, but the original purchase of all those assets was either seller financing, lease option, you know, credit cards. I mean, you name it, I was getting into it. But basically uh, that that book describes that first portfolio, how to create how to use creative financing to uh, create problem solving offers. When you don't necessarily have money, because when I started, like I said, I had ten grand and three hundred bucks, and I had to figure out how to build a real estate business. So it wasn't about starting off with a lot of liquid capital. I did not have it, so I used creativity and problem solving and and good old work ethic to build a business. And that book is how to do that. So if you're not starting off with a tremendous amount of cash, you might want to pick that one up. But it kind of show you how to use creative financing techniques. The reason I brought that book out, um, it's been it's out about a year now. The reason I kind of that is because I believe that we are going into a market cycle where creative financing and seller financing is going to be a lot more prevalent. Interest rates go up and and we've already seen that occur. Uh, That's going to make financing for deals tougher. And if you have an asset that's a little distressed, maybe the revenue is not as high as you wanted it to be, deferred maintenance, things like that the bank is going to start looking negatively on those assets, especially as the criteria tightens up. And that's gonna make sellers uh, who have some distressed assets kind of get stuck because traditional financing is not gonna be there as readily to fund fund those deals. That's when you use creative financing. So it's about identifying a seller that has a problem, creating an offer that solves the problem, exchanging that would be instead of cash. In a nutshell, uh, real estate raw is the one hundred one of how to build a real estate business, as I've been talking about. Right? So, creative cash is how to fund it with creative financing. Real estate raw is how to actually build it, and it's a step by step process on building a commercial portfolio. So, those are the two books.
0: Cool. I w- want to just touch on on creative cash just a little bit because I, I think, correct me if I am wrong, I would think that those type of techniques are maybe more prevalent or easier to use in the down market yes. than they would be when things are hot. So exactly. the, the, you know, sort of using those in the beginning of your career make a lot of sense. I wanted to ask you, you know, if, if you think that's true, but also like, are you, do you currently feel like you're able to
1: use these creative techniques or no. Yeah. OK. So. No, no, not very easily. No. And and we have not used these creative techniques over the last five, six, seven years because, as you pointed out, market cycles. And that's something I, I speak about extensively in the book is understanding market cycles and how to understand uh, where we are, where we're going. And so, yes, in an inclining market, the, the rise of value kind of solves most people's problems. Like these days, I kind of make the joke. It's like if you have Uh, an underperforming property that the rents are low and there's a ton of deferred maintenance, we call that value add. And you get to charge twice, uh, twice the price for the property. You know, it's like run your property into the ground so you can charge more to people that believe it's value add, you know, I mean, okay, don't get me started. But anyway, so, uh, that That's yes, you're right. That has not been a prevalent technique over the last several years because of the rising valuation. But again, if you understand market cycles that you realize that that market cycle doesn't continue forever. No tree grows to the sky. And so you watch your debt, watch lenders. Lenders are always the controllers of the market cycle. And as lenders raise rates and tighten uh, you know, terms, down payment, loan to value, all these things get more difficult, which I assure you they're about to do uh that's when the debt starts being less um, lenient and obviously less available that's when we start using creative financing and i believe that is a market cycle that we're about to to uh, run into headlong and that's why i brought the book out about the time that i did I, i probably could have even waited maybe about six nine months to bring it out It was slightly early but point being is no that book's not something that was meant to teach you what we've been doing over the last 10 years and and it's not something that works tremendously well this afternoon read the book and give it about six months. And I assure you, you're going to get value out of it. You'll be ready for the, the down cycle, which we are headed for.
0: So let's talk about that. Uh, obviously I think, you know, I, I feel like that people ask this question a lot. It was just at the best ever conference and there was a panel on, you know, what's going to happen in the market and several panels on it and stuff. And obviously has everybody has different ideas. I feel like your <laughs> thought of what's going to happen to the market is very clear, but, Maybe go into, you know, kind of why you think we're headed to a down cycle, why you feel so sure about it. What, what do you think is going to happen? How, how do you see this going?
1: Um, yeah, long, long conversation, but basically, uh, I think we're all but guaranteed to go into a cycle because I think the Federal Reserve is going to construct it. I'm not a conspiracy theorist or any of that kind of stuff. But the way we need to look at this is the, the Federal Reserve is responding post reactionary to the inflation. So in a lot of our past historical cycles, the Feds have been raising rates ahead of inflation to hedge inflation. At this point in time, they're reacting post, you know, post to a bunch of inflation. So inflation has gotten away from them. And now they're trying to put the genie back in the bottle, which means they've got to really twerk down on the interest rates to arrest the market right? So they're not trying to slow it down. They're trying to catch up to it, which means we don't really know how far they'll have to go with rates. They've already said they're going to raise rates until the market cools off. Now, they'd like us to think that it's going to be a nice soft landing. Maybe it will be, but that's uh, statistically unlikely when you look at the historical cycles. So therefore, we're probably likely to go into a recession. You know, Strange comment. Too many people have too many jobs. That's the answer. We can't have this many people with this many jobs because it creates inflation. And so the feds, I believe, as bad as this sounds, are going to try and increase unemployment and they're going to do it through raising interest rates. And when they do that, we'll cycle the economy down a little. Is it going to create a major meltdown and crash? I don't know. I, I don't think. Completely, that could occur. Now, if we have other extraneous events in the world, such as war, you know, surprise, and certain things like that, could that have a cascading effect? It it might, you know, supply chain, things like that. Those are things that are impossible to predict. But yeah, basically, the feds are going to raise the rates until we all calm down. It's how the feds work. It's how the world works. We've got euphoric in our market. Inflation's running away. It's because we're all pushing prices all over, you know, buying stuff. at at silly prices with silly underwriting, raising rents. Again, I'm I'm all for raising rents, but you have to understand that's another marker of inflation. And and so as everybody's running around going, oh, the rents are amazing. The rents are just going crazy. We can't figure out how high the rents are going to go. That's inflation. <laughs> Hello. So the feds are going to raise rates until, until we as a, a, a community knock it off, basically, in, in short words. And, uh, and so I think that's not going to be a tremendously soft landing. I think we're going to go into a bit of a recession. Um, another thing that I'll speak more specifically to the real estate market, um, something that people aren't really talking about is what we call maturity exposure. Look around. There are a lot of people that went and got short term mortgages over the last two three years. Two year interest only Fannie Mae. Loans or, uh, you know, bridge debt. Everybody's doing this bridge debt and running around getting short term loans. Fine. But that means these loans are all going to reset or come due this year, maybe Q1 next year around this time. And you're going to have a nasty rate adjustment at that, that exit and so i think that 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 may cool the market off some you know i'm 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 warning people right now that are owners and if you're looking to buy be careful with all the rent growth you at the moment you you will have rent growth to tread valuation water not to increase valuation because if you raise your rents and the feds raise the interest rates <laughs> It's a net yeah. nothing as far as the valuation is concerned. So you better raise your rents or you're actually going to lose valuation. So raising rents going forward is not going to be about increasing the value of your asset. It's going to be about maintaining value. And that's not a tremendously positive comment. And so I think in there somewhere, we're going to see a, a leveling off of the market. And uh, and then when people have to exit, we'll see how that goes. How do I know all this? Because that's what happened to me in, in 2012. I got three-year loans, and they came due. The market hadn't recovered, and there were not other banks that were willing to sort of continue the financing. The bank I had the loan with didn't foreclose or anything of that nature. They just didn't renew the mortgage. They just said, we don't want to renew your loan. Well, nobody wanted to renew the loan in that market cycle, and I was all of a sudden a motivated seller. And if you have to sell real estate, the likelihood of you making money is not good. You do not want to have to sell real estate. You wanna sell real estate when you wanna sell real estate, not when you have to. So the key is exit strategy, the key is understanding market cycles, not getting into short-term loans that kick you out into a wrong cycle. And I think there's a whole lot of people in the world that are about to break that rule. Short-term loans are all gonna come due in a high interest rate market. And that's, I think it's gonna be disruptive. That I also think it's gonna provide a whole lot of opportunity for people that are are not already in the market. So that's my kind of narrative uh, arc of narrative for the upcoming market. But that's that's what I think is going to occur.
0: So I mean those are all really great points and like I said I just <laughs> saw these panels at the at the conference so what what do you say to the
1: argument that well we're in a housing shortage. See, and that's you know, it's what I always kind of say is this is one of the weird markets because for every, you know, heads conversation, there's an equal tails conversation that nullifies the other conversation. And so, yes, to your point, well, we we're in a housing shortage and there's supply and demand issues, and all those things should counterbalance the interest rates and keep the demand going. I agree. So it's real hard to say. It's it's like again, it's like flipping a coin. You know, this market is the one millionth coin toss that landed straight on its edge. It's not yeah. it's worth It's yeah. so the one millionth time that actually occurred. And We're all going, wow, that never occurs. You know, so I don't know. I agree with you. Supply and demand, um, hedge against inflation, which is you know people wanting to get into tangible assets. Those things all should keep valuations up. It's very hard to say, and I can completely agree with you. A housing shortage. I'm torn on that comment. Um, I think we have a housing shortage. A lot of people are probably not going to appreciate this comment. I think we have a housing shortage if we want to continue our lifestyle. Yeah, yeah. I think it would be offensive for you to go to somewhere like Brazil or India, and to go into some of those poor neighborhoods and look at those people that live in shoeboxes that are stacked 10 deep in a little tin house and tell them we have a housing shortage. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Know what I mean? If we wanna maintain our posh lifestyle, yes, we have a housing shortage, but be careful. Rents declined in the 08 cycle. Why? Because people just got roommates and that's not something people stop and consider. Will you go get a roommate? Yes. Will the will eighteen year old not leave the house at eighteen and go get his own apartment? But maybe leave at nineteen or twenty. Yes. Will will families come together under one unit and be a little less comfortable? Yes. So do we have a housing shortage? We have a shortage of 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 low of organic affordable housing. Yes, I think we do. I think truly affordable product, there is a bit of a shortage, but to just make the art, the, the blanket comment that America has a housing shortage, I think that's a little bit on the arrogant side and that we better be careful because you might find out what a real shortage looks like, uh, you know, if this yeah. keeps going, compare ourselves to the rest of the world. And I would say we're, we're quite fortunate. So let's, let's keep that in perspective. But um, yeah, I think at the moment we do have an affordable housing shortage, but I also think it can be corrected uh, with a little lifestyle change. So that's where I'm not Putting that completely in there, that's gonna save the market category, not personally. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I think that's that's a phenomenal point. And I and I
0: I mean, it, you could almost make the the argument with with that that that's what inflation is almost entirely. It, right. Yeah. Is that we want to so you know, gas prices. I mean in California, gas prices are over six dollars, right? So and, and gas prices have gone up everywhere. It's just we happen to already be the most expensive place. So there's not less traffic on the road, right? Like I'm still, I still sat in traffic yesterday, like drive, it took, you know, takes an hour to go, you know, 10 miles, people are still driving cars that, you know, not everybody's running out to buy an electric car and, and those things are available, right? So it's like, right. w- when we've had gas shortages before, that wasn't necessarily an option, but it's like, people are still, you know, we, we drive our, our uh, SUVs and trucks and all of that, things that take a lot of gas, so it, it gets complained about, but it's not necessarily something that people are doing something about. And that's because we don't want to change our lifestyle. Exactly. So, so that's a really, <laughs> I don't know that there's an answer to this. I don't even know if I have a, a question so much as that's a really good thing to just kind of consider like how that impacts, right? Yeah. Like it, it impacts what people complain about, but right. does it impact what what change you actually make in your lifestyle? What are you, you know, like, like if if Starbucks? I don't know how much Starbucks costs because I don't drink coffee. But if <laughs> if Starbucks goes up to you know twenty five dollars a a cup of coffee, people are still going to go to Starbucks. Like it'll still happen. The the all of the uh, delivery things like DoorDash, all of those things, right? If you lo- look at what gets art added to your meal in terms of fees and all of that and your delivery and the tip and everything, oh, you're still not going to go get it yourself. <laughs> like most people are still not going to get it yourself. Right. Like, and I, I'm including myself. I'm not, I'm not Same here. Same I'm not, here. Like I'm not, not every time as I'm those. hitting the, the order button. No, right. No, I'm no, like, no, 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 yeah. Order. How, how did my taco bell become $30? You know, it's yeah. like th- this kind of stuff that you're just like, I don't understand where this, and it's just, it's convenience, right. it's lifestyle. It's all of that. And yeah. so I think it makes, it makes the markets what's going to happen. You know, you can you can use the metrics and in, of inflation and, and the percentage and all of this and and all that you've talked about, but it makes it hard to predict what people are gonna do. Right. And we're, a very, we're
1: a very wealthy country, you right? Know, we're a very fortunate um, society. And if I, I think if we don't respect that we we're, we're in trouble and then we may lose it to some degree and, and yeah. you know and that's where i think people these headlines are just people complaining largely so when you boil it down is there a real problem eh, i'm not really putting that in the category no uh, no because we're we're just at the level of of comfort complaints yeah. we're not we're not being bombed we're not out of gas we're not out of food we're not out of these things. those are real complaints you know yeah. these complaints are kind of like oh i'm a little uncomfortable eh. OK, I agree. But again, to say there is a housing shortage, oh, my gosh, we're all in trouble. Yeah, I'm not quite there with that comment yet. Not personally.
0: Right. right. Well, even you just look back to, you know, oh, and the, the Great Recession, compared to most of the rest of the world, we were still really well off. Right? Anyway, yeah, it's, right. It's just, we still are. and We still will be. And that's right. Right. It's like it in perspective. It's like, oh, man, that sucked for us. But it's like, uh, yeah, but. It's way worse other places, oh, a, right. a lot of other places. So Nobody kind shot of, at me today. It's a good day. Exactly. Just look at what's happening in the, new, yeah. in the in Ukraine. It's, it's just, it's, it's all perspective. And, and it's great. You right. know, I, lo- I love living here. It's not, <laughs> again, I'm not, I'm not, uh, it's, this is not the bash of the United States. This is just, this, this is the reality of it is, is it's at what level does our discomfort in our lifestyle cause us to change
1: what we're, you know, how we approach all of these things. Right. And it will. And that's that's kind of my point. And so that's where I would say, you know, be careful. There's a real level underneath this complaining that where you will see change. And that's where I I would say the housing shortage and things of that nature. I I think a faster solution will be occupancy problems where people do start getting roommates consuming less Mm -hmm. units. And that in turn could cause a softening of the rent. That's the number one thing that will cause rent softening is occupancy. And occupancy could occur if, if, you know, inflation continues in other aspects of the world. And now your tenants are trying to decide, do I, do I buy food gas or pay the rent? Cause I can only do one of these things. You don't want your tenants in that position and making those decisions because that's when they'll, they'll stop consuming other products and, and come together. And I don't think we've pushed our economy anywhere near that sort of stress right now. So therefore I don't think we can truly trust where the bottom is, or I don't think we should be speculating. Uh, you know that, that those things are really going to buoy the market or anything of that nature.
0: Yeah, my opinion. Yeah, no, I, I mean I think this is, this is a great discussion, and I guess ultimately the 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 question I have for you with with all of this, you, are you buying now? Yeah, absolutely.
1: Or- Okay. <laughs> yeah, of yeah. Course. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. look Again, all of this is irrelevant. If you are a business owner, you know what you're doing, you stay in the market and you run a business. These are just conversations. It's, you, you know, real estate market has been here for a millennia, right? We've all cycles have been here forever just another day at the office. You know, uh, I really, in, in anyone who's new to the business and I always kind of trying, you know, in this kind of conversation with this point, look, if you're new to the business and you're looking to get into real estate and you're hearing all these conversations, ignore us. Don't worry about this. You know, look, there's always room for, for real estate. It's always a good thing to own. You need to understand what you're doing. You need to be careful and you need to know how to analyze a deal. But Don't let any of this stop you from getting into the business. It's a Great business. I'm buying. You know, Jason's in here. We're all trying to do real estate. It's a little rocky at the moment. Don't worry about it. That passes. You know, I just afraid that sometimes people will hear these sound bites and go, oh, then the world's coming to an end. We don't need to buy. it. No, 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 no. Don't, don't listen to me. Real estate's great. Um, you know, I am careful about what I'm buying, yes, but I am I'm active, I'm looking. It's just another day at the office. Don't worry about it.
0: Yeah. No, it's it's a great point. I mean, it's regardless of these market cycles, regardless, as long as you're Careful, smart, you know, kind of, kind of make these decisions right. It's still, it's still a wealth-building, absolutely <laughs> great business to be in. So it, it makes it makes total sense. Yeah, yeah. There's, yeah. there's
1: always, there's always a market for a quality asset and a quality location. Always, you know, if you buy good properties at good locations, you're fine. Don't worry about the markets. You'll be fine.
0: Yeah, yeah. Totally agree. Um, all right, Bill. Let's let's switch gears a little bit. Let me just sure. uh, get so and keep you all day. I, this is actually like. <laughs> Really fascinating discussion, but um, I, I just want to ask you the questions that I that I like to ask each guest. Yeah. Um, so the first one is based on the name of the show being "Know Your Why." You know, what's your why? What what drives you and kind of pushes you towards towards these levels of success
1: um uh, attention deficit disorder i'm pretty sure i'm, I'm not 100 sure but i'm pretty sure it's something along those lines i i personally no offense to you always hate that question because i don't have a really good answer is why i don't like it um i i think entrepreneurial behavior is uh something like a twitch or a uh, a neurotic behavior you you can't help it you know you're just drawn to being an entrepreneur and and i think that's why i ultimately uh failed as an employee because i really uh have, have too much drive to run and move and do things and i get bored too quick and so I'm constantly having to create and, and think and write and do things of that nature. So I, I think it's more of an affliction than, than a choice. <laughs> um, so that's why I always kind of say I don't really like the question because I don't feel I have like some kind of good, cool, motivating answer for that. Um, I'm just just do it because I don't really have much of a choice. Uh I think any real artist will tell you that that art is something that comes, it's alive and it has to come out. You know, and if you like you don't get it out, you'll get sick. Well, I kind of feel like business is my art. Like if I don't just do it and I keep it bottled up, it, it's not a good thing. So um that's amazing. You say you don't say so you don't like the question, but I feel like that's a perfect answer.
0: There's okay, no, I guess this is the only answer. I'm just not, it's, it's, there's no first of all, there's over. no wrong answer to that question for sure. <laughs> Everybody has their different, you know, different motivators, but, but I think it's true. It's, it's your, your, your art, uh, our artist analogy is, is perfect. It's like, if you have that innate drive to sort of be creating and creating businesses and being entrepreneurial is, is creating. So uh, I think, I think that makes, makes total sense. Yeah, It's not really much of a choice. You have to just do it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Second question then for you is, Tell us something about yourself that maybe isn't common knowledge, something that, you know, special skill
1: or a hobby or something that, that, uh, let um, the listeners know you well. I think gardening. I actually, uh, I'm an avid gardener. That's probably the one that surprises people the most. Yeah. That in, in, in baking, I, I don't cook like dinners and things like that, but I love cooking cakes and, and cookies and baking and gardening. Those are the two probably domestic things that I like to do. Yeah. For some reason, I, I, I love gardening. I've always uh, been a gardener. My grandmother taught me when I was a kid, and I've been doing it ever since. So, yeah, that's uh, that's probably things people don't really know. Gardening, uh, like edible thi- like food. Oh yeah, flowers and and it, yeah, flowers okay. and, and edibles. Yeah, everything that's legal to grow. I, uh, I grow it. <laughs> but well, in Georgia, anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, you're in Alex. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no. Grow uh, here. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, no, yeah, garden flowers and in and, and vegetable garden largely. Yeah.
0: Okay, I think that I. I we don't have the space to have a real garden here, but I think you know having a place where we could grow some vegetables and stuff that we can eat, you know, fresh. If you have a
1: windowsill. You
0: you can you, you have space. True. Yeah. Well, and the, I guess the probably bigger point to this is I'm terrible at gardening. It's like my mother is a my mother has been in like horticulture her whole life. She's she's like green thumb, very very good
1: at it, knows sure. everything. I can't keep a plant alive. So it's, 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 I sucked at real estate when I got started at that too. And I solved that problem. So, you know, everything's fixable. There you go. There
0: you go. that's right. Just, you just got to want to put the, put the work into it. Um, So when people hear this, how would you like them to reach out to you? What's, what's the best way to get? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um,
1: So, okay. Website, you can find me at uh, realestateraw.com. And if you want some more information on my programs, I also have some uh, free videos and things you can download there So go to realestateraw.com. Both the books are on Amazon. That's Creative Cash and Real Estate Raw. And then, you know, feel free to reach out to me directly. Uh, My email is bill at gobroadwell.com. So that's a B-I-L-L at go G-O broadwell, B-R-O-A-D W-E-L-L.com. Yeah. Send me an email. You got any questions, comments, concerns? We'll keep the concerns. But if you have any questions or comments, uh, certainly uh, send me an email and, and I'd love to talk to you. Cool. We'll put we'll put all that in the show notes so people have it. Um, final question
0: for you, Bill, before we wrap up. What is a piece of advice that you would give to someone that's that's maybe earlier on in their journey uh, into real estate, you know just to to help them kind of keep going and push through those hard days we talked about?
1: yeah, I, I would hmm, that's a tough one. I would probably have to say try and in keep your expectations out of it. You know, that as a teacher and I've had hundreds of students, one of the biggest problems I see is that people come into the to the business expecting it to be like they heard in that commercial, like the guru said it would be on stage and all that. And then reality sets in and then they realize, OK, it's, it's actually a fair amount of work. It's actually not get rich and it's not as easy as I thought. And it's not quite like that commercial said. And it's in that decline to reality where you either survive or you don't. And I've seen so many students not survive that mental transition. Um, so what I would really try and suggest is you just get to work. Don't have high flying expectations and, and don't worry about high long-term goals and all this kind of stuff. Drop all that and just just go to work. Just look at deals, analyze deals, and do the business and you'll be fine. But try and not daydream about it too much because you might get upset. And that's kind of a weird thing. But that's where I see a lot of students that come on with more or less a sales pitch in their head for a lack of a way of describing it. You know, they've just listened to too many gurus on stage. And now they, that's their understanding of real estate, and they, they get a nasty upset. But the ones that kind of adjust and get their head straight, they make it and they're fine. So just know that you may have a head adjustment coming if you've kind of been watching the late night commercials on real estate, but you'll be fine. You'll yeah. be good. Just get in there and do
0: it. Yeah. Well, I think, yeah, the people, you know, a lot of people coming into it will look at, you know, I, I don't, I feel like Grant Cardone's a good example of someone who's very sort of out there. Um, but, you know, look at, looking at someone who, who has, reach the point of having a lot of success and not realizing like yourself, you've been doing it for 17 years. So it's like, yeah, there's a lot to be learned from you, but also you're not going to start out where you are now. Correct. Right. right. And That's, it takes a minute to get there. Yeah. yeah it, it takes time. And so it's, yeah, it it's does. definitely not a get rich quick scheme, It, but, but you can get rich. It, it just takes time. Absolutely. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, This has been great. I love this discussion. Thank you so much for coming on, Bill. I appreciate your time. All right. And with that, we will go ahead and sign out. I'd like to show you why knowing your why is the start of your journey. Without a strong why, it can be so difficult to reach your maximum potential. My name is Dr. Jason Ballara, and every week I meet with real estate investors and mindset specialists that are taking action in order to build a life according to their own terms. We will break down what drives successful people and allows them to achieve at such a high level. If you are a professional wanting to break through, or simply someone that wants to hear an inspiring story, the Know Your Why podcast is made for you.